things happen, you know, strange things happen. Now, there's a couple here on their anniversary, wedding anniversary, isn't that right? Where, whereabouts are you from? Doncaster in South Yorkshire. Okay. Um, yeah, you wouldn't have guessed with his accent. Now, you've been married one year? One year, yeah. One year today. Okay. That's great. And you came, you, you watch us on television. That's right, every week now, yeah, we're avid, we're avid watchers. We've just been blessed and um, resting in finished work of Christ is, is incredible. Come from an holiness background where we strived and strived and strived and now we know. <laughs> yeah. We're just totally blessed to be here. We're overwhelmed, to be honest, and God led us to spend our anniversary here and it's amazing. Isn't that lovely? Let's give God a praise. Good God. Hey. I, I want to go on and talk about attitudes in the mind because attitudes get you into trouble. Uh, people think it's devils and demons, but it's not. It's attitudes. Attitudes destroy. They destroy a person. They destroy his life. They eat him up. My Bible says a root of bitterness springing up defiles many. And I want to spend some time today looking. One's got to understand that um, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, false apostles had been spreading doubts about whether Paul really belonged to Christ. Uh, the opposition concerning the knowledge of God is noted earlier in 1 Corinthians 1, where Paul is concerned with growing disunity amongst the Christians. The Corinthians seem to be enjoying personal spiritual exaltation, but have forgotten that life in Christ was a life of service. And when Paul comes, and you can look at it, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 3, says this, For we walk, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You've got to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And you've got to bring every thought into captivity. You know, the warfare that we fight is in the mind. God says the strongholds are in the mind. And so many people think they're somewhere else. Um... They're not. They're in your mind, in your thinking, the habits of thought. And I find so many people that they don't understand how strongholds arise. And I thought it'd be good to just bring our minds and our hearts to realize what goes on. You see, what the devil always seeks to do is bring division, schism. And if he can get you to think wrong, he will destroy your life. Uh, now, the enemy can sow seed through anyone. You'll remember the day when Peter heard that Jesus was going to Calvary and to the cross and going to die. He turned around and said, not so. And Jesus turned around and <laughs> said, get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things of God, but the things that be of man. And man's conclusion and man's reasoning is never God's reasoning. And we have to look and examine what is it that traps us in our minds that will ultimately destroy us. It's as you think. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it's in your thought realm that destruction comes. And people need to understand that God is about dealing with thoughts. And so 
I want this morning to deal with your thinking. I watch people go down the steps to destruction time after time after time and there's no way to turn them unless the Holy Ghost does it because in their minds they're ensnared by past teaching, they're ensnared by prejudice, by family upbringing, culture, it all comes in and instead of bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, they add their culture to their Christianity and they destroy themselves. And we have to be people who realize that how we think is important, what we think is important. And we need to know how the enemy operates. And you see, the problem is the enemy operates in a very specific way. Turn with me to Mark 6. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. You need to look over a Bible, good authorized version. That's King James Version. Very important, you need to know it's in the book. It says this, in verse 1, And Jesus went out from thence, and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Why? What made him offended? Let me tell you something that I've discovered when I talk to people. You start talking to someone and you want to help them. And as soon as you touch something in their lives, they turn around and say, well, you've got a family too. And they try and justify them. So, well, you know, I know where you're from. Hey! You know, Jesus, this Jesus, we know where he's from. Look, we know his brothers. We know his sisters. How come he's got teaching? How come he can do miracles? I'll tell you why they get offended. Because they don't like anyone to come and point light and truth to them and it offends them. And here's Jesus. And look at their testimony of him. He began to teach, verse 2, in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought at his hand? How's this happening? And then they go with their logical little mind, Well, you know, I know who he is. Uh, I know. You see, when God raises up a man... The worst thing about it is, you know who he is. And I say, well. And so you hide in your twisted mentality behind a cover of, well, he's human too. Well, Jesus was human. Unfortunately, they left out one thing. He was born of a virgin. God was his father. They didn't understand. All they could see was what the natural mind saw. 
and I didn't like it. You see, if you want to know what their real problem was, it was a question of authority. It always comes down to the same old thing, authority. People don't like to be told. Now here's these guys, here they all are, and they look at Jesus and he's doing wonderful miracles, he's got wisdom that floors them all, he comes up with things they don't like, and they think, no, what can we do? Hey, we know who he is, you know, he's a carpenter. Who taught him? Where's he got the? I know his brother. I know his other brother. I know his sisters. And they get offended. Jesus kept saying, blessed is he who is not. Not what? <laughs> offended. Why is it that people get offended with preachers? Because when it gets too near the knuckle, the only way you can defend yourself is to attack the messenger. Then you think you can ignore the message. And that's what they did. Huh! It's just a carpenter. Look what it goes on to say. Hey, it's good. You know, we've got a Bible. But Jesus said unto them, verse 4, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Do you know, that, that's really where it's about. Um, basically, if people get to know you too well, uh, uh, they, they lose respect. Now, the respect they lose is because they forget one thing. They forget it's God who lifts up. It's God who equips. It's God who does. And they lose respect. They get familiar. Woe betide them when they get familiar. And it's always on a carnal level. Always carnal. Well, you know, we know who Jesus, we know who, we know you grew up there. We know everything, you know. Yeah, you do, but you forget one thing, God. And your real complaint isn't with Jesus. Your real complaint's with God. Hey, what they didn't like was this Jesus. He had authority they hadn't got. Boy, that's stuck in their crawl. He did wonderful works they couldn't do. That enraged them. People get offended. When they find they haven't got the ability someone else has, it's offensive. Now, what's offended? Their ego. It's called pride. They just don't like it. Look, once they get offended, look what happens. Verse 5, and he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place, and whosoever shall receive you, shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart thence shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them verily I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city and they went out and preached that men should repent and they cast out many devils and anointed with all many that were sick and healed them do you know what blinded people to truth he couldn't do many miracles there. He was amazed at their unbelief. What blinded them? It was quite simple and plain. Preconceived notions about who Jesus was made it impossible for him to do anything in his own country. Made it impossible for them to accept the message. Do you know there are people sitting here today 
who won't hear anything I say. They'll hear the words, but they'll never hear. Because of their stupidity and prejudice. Isn't that terrible? If an angel came and spoke to them, they still wouldn't hear. Because they're locked up in their unbelief. Nothing you can do. If the Holy Ghost doesn't pull down the strongholds, you can't reach them. That's the amazing thing. I've learned it's by the foolishness of preaching men are saved. But it's a foolish thing. You know, when a man's offended... Bible said it's harder to win than a city but they get offended wrongly people take offense at all sorts of silly things why what is it you know it's all in the Bible and I want to take you to a little story that'll probably expose what really ticks let's look there's a book of Esther. You'll find it in front of Job, if you don't know where that is, in front of Psalms. Esther chapter 3, verse 1. After these things did the king promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Ag Agagite, and advanced him, and set his seat above all the princes that were with him, and all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman or Haman for the king had so commanded concerning him but Mordecai bowed not nor did him reverence then the king's servants which were in the king's gate said unto Mordecai why transgressest thou the king's commandment now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him and he hearkened not unto them that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. You know, a man's ego gets real hurt when someone won't give them due acceptance, respect, acknowledgement. When someone feels they've been slighted, they get full of wrath. Or to put another word to it, bitterness, anger, malice. How dare someone treat me like that hello and here's Haman he's promoted by the king and he considers he's got everything and everyone is going to worship and bow down and prostrate themselves to him but there's one man who won't he's a Jew Mordecai and he knows you don't prostrate yourself to a man you reverence God alone and he's not going to bow. And do you know, during the Quaker time, George Fox, William Penn, Isaac Pennington, James Naylor, the first generation Quakers, spirit-filled men, moving, moved in every gift of the spirit, long before Azusa Street. Tremendous men of God. One of the things they wouldn't do they wouldn't take off their hat and bow to the judges and bow to the gentry. And many of them were put in prison just because they would not bow. Why? They considered it an insult. All the kind of social customs of honoring and reverencing and bowing and scraping. They said, no. The only person we'll bow to is God. And I'll tell you what happened. They got persecuted. People got offended. How dare they? How dare they not bow? 
And here's Mordecai, brought up a Jew, believing there's only one person you worship, that's the living God and the true God. You don't worship a man. And here's a king who set Haman up and said everyone's got to worship him. This is a man above every prince in the land, he's above everything, and boy, he got so angry. How dare someone not give him his office, his due respect. Boy, you know, prejudice in the mind. You get your ego stirred up and your rights, your thoughts, your way. I'll tell you what will happen. It'll destroy you. As night follows day, it's going to destroy your life. Pride cometh before a fool. You think you know better. It's amazing how people get destroyed by stupid things. Now, sitting in the gate, many were sitting in judgment. At the king's gate, that was where problems were solved. It's where the chamberlains were. That's where the counselors were. And here he was, sitting in a position, and they didn't like it. He was a Jew. Racism. But Haman was so mad. Look what happens. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, and then it goes on. Do you know, he set himself, and he said, right, this man is an affront. I'm going to destroy every Jew. He's a Jew. I'm not, I just can't bear to just get him. I want to get everyone. Every one of his race I'm going to kill. Look, what, full of anger, hatred, just because someone didn't bow and give him reverence and prostrate themselves before him. Now he's going to kill a whole of a race of humanity for one thing, his ego, his pride, his arrogance wasn't respected. His hate and bitterness in a second got so big within him that he just despised the fact that he'd just deal with Mordecai. Let's deal with all his ancestors. Let's deal with all his relatives. Let's deal with, let's deal with everyone who's a Jew. You know, bitterness, anger, offense does an awful lot of damage in a person's life. It's all in the mind. But boy, it comes from the pit of hell. That's why Jesus said, blessed is he that's not offended at my words. Really gets from the pit of hell. And, and you realize how people, they, they get so mad. Haman, from from being elevated to the top position, all of a sudden, he's cast down to the lowest as far as he's concerned because there's one man sitting in the king's gate who won't prostrate himself and worship him. And that's all he can think of. And he says, there's a whole race I'm going to wipe out. That, that's pretty mean, isn't it? That's a nasty spirit working there, isn't it? to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he says, right, we're going to kill them. Every single one of them. We're going to get rid of them. But what started it? Well, I'll tell you what started it. It just started with someone, hey, um, Haman, can I just tell you, 
uh, we sit in the king's gate. Did you realize Mordecai would never bow to you? And someone put it in his mind. It was the king's chamberlain. They put it in his mind. Hey, that Mordecai is a Jew. He'll never bow to you. And so someone fed his mind. It's amazing how people can feed your mind with some little bit of information and before you know it, you build up a whole theory. And often the theory is totally wrong. But, you see, the enemy of our soul knows it just takes one little comment and then you think about that person and your whole mind gets twisted. You, you impugn to them motives, you impugn to them all sorts of things and, and it just comes out of the one little comment. And it was just one little comment. See, they kept on at Mordecai, you really ought to bow, and then they thought they'd better inform Haman. You know, they really weren't going to help him. So they inform. And then Haman, it, it began to get into Haman, and then a day came, he passed through the king's gate, and there was Mordecai, and he didn't bow, and boy, the anger, the bitterness. But I, I'll tell you who was worse. It was the chamberlains that said it. And Haman said unto the king, verse 8, There's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, the silver is given to thee, the people also to do with them as seemeth good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province and the rulers over every people of every province according to the writing thereof and to every people after their language. And the letters, verse 13, were sent by posts into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of that writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people that they should be ready against that day. Boy, and all it was, was he didn't bow and prostrate himself and worship. That's what hate does. When a man is bitter, and when a man's full of hatred, boy, the ends to which he won't go, in the end, can't help himself. That's why a root of bitterness springing up defiles many. Just takes that little seed inside and that spirit works. You hear it coming out of their mouths. But who gets destroyed? Because of prejudice in the mind. Just takes a thought. Something sown in your mind. How often I've seen things, someone said so and so, and then, boy, it builds and builds. And everything you see, no matter what the person does, everything you see is just going to build up more and more to justify your wrong position. And that's what happened. Interestingly, Haman was descended from Agag, the Amalekite. And, um, you know, 
Haman should never existed. He should have been killed. The whole of Agag should have been killed. Unfortunately, he wasn't because Saul spared him. Uh, and it was, you know, in Samuel's time, uh, and the whole thing worked. You know, Haman would never have been around to, to persecute the children of Israel if Saul had obeyed what God said. You see, the flesh, and Saul was a representative of the flesh, the flesh is there. People get their minds. Their minds work wrong. And I, I watch people, I watch whole families destroyed by stupidity. It's all in the mind. A person destroys himself in their minds. And God wants to deal with the mind. Holy Ghost comes to deal with the mind. You know, if your brother offend against you, 70 times 7 in one day, you're to forgive him. That's your brother. They said to Jesus, increase our faith, when he told the disciples that. Boy, you know, we need a bit of faith for that. But the trouble is, how many people just get offended over some stupid little thing, but then it builds. Until in the end, there's a big wall built. And it's all in the mind. And it all starts with pride. The root of it's pride. You know, who's he not to do what I want? And a mountain grows. And then before you know, it's real hatred. You know, the Jews took up stones to stone Jesus. He said, for which for the miracles do you stone me? He said, oh, it's not for the miracles, the multitude said. It's because you make yourself equal with God. Because he called God his father. You'd think they'd have been grateful to see the miracles. Not a bit of it. They hate it. Because their ego and pride can't take the fact it comes through a human vessel so how can we stop it let's kill and from that moment on they sought to kill him and you know man hasn't changed one iota in all these 2,000 years I'll tell you what will happen to them it's so nice that's what I, I love the Bible because it doesn't just tell you the problem it tells you the solution that's why I love my Bible you know it, it goes on uh, it, it's just so nice you know what really enraged Haman it wasn't really directed just towards Mordecai it was directed towards what he stood for he wasn't going to worship. Uh, chapter 5. Then Haman went forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. Uh, why? Because he'd been invited uh, to a meal with Esther and he'd gone there to a banquet. And um, he was invited to go ne next time. Uh, but when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. And when he came home, he sent and called for his friends, and so on. Verse 13. Yet he says, you know, oh, no, verse 12. Haman said, moreover, yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow... Am I invited unto her also with the king? Yet all this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jews sitting at the king's gate. Then said Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak unto the king, that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in in merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. 
the gallows he was going to swing on. But he didn't know that. You know, hatred gets you in a stupid positions. You end up taking action that's going to kill you, not them. He thought he was going to kill Mordecai. His friends weren't very helpful. And chapter 6, verse 1, On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king, and it was found, written, that Mordecai had told uh, of Big, Big, Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the, of the door, who sought to lay hands on the king. And the king said, What honor and dignity have been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. And the king said, Who's in the court? Now Haman was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Hey, he's coming with intention of murder. Okay, that's his intent. And he comes into the king's house and the king sends for him. And look what happens. I love this. I, I just love my Bible. <laughs> and the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in. And the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? Boy, Haman thought, I'm in for something here. I love it. And Haman <laughs> answered the king, for the man whom the king delighted to honor, let the royal apparel be bought, which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the royal crown which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man withal whom the king delighteth to honor and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste, and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse, and arrayed Mordecai, and brought him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house mourning, and having his head covered. <laughs> hey, he found, how could it happen to me? You know, when a man seeks honor and when a man seeks respect, I'll tell you what happens. He finds the very person he despises gets it. The very person he militated against receives it. And boy, it gets in their crawl. But that's my God. He's a good God. <laughs> ah, dear. Uh, and you know what the, the rest of the story... Uh, I don't know. Esther comes and says, hey, king, we're going to be destroyed. We're going to be killed. Who is it? And you remember verse 10 of chapter 7, so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Do you know, let me tell you something. Uh, I, I, love, I love my Bible. Now, you see, bitterness gets you hung. In the end, you get hung on your own gallows. And it all starts with wrong thinking in the mind, wrong attitudes in the mind. 
so easy to get hooked up with wrong thinking. And once you get into a carnal state of mind and thinking, I'll tell you what happens, you get trapped. And in getting trapped with the wrong thinking, you get locked in and all of a sudden you can't get out. And then the bitterness grows and grows and grows. And it's amazing how you can justify it. Amazing how you can say, well, you know, well, what about that? Well, you know, I know his brothers, I know his sisters. I know this, I know that. Yeah. The trouble is you don't know God. <laughs> Mordecai. He wouldn't bow because the living God said don't bow. He was a Jew. They had their own law. He was right. You know the facts were all right. The attitude was all wrong. Why is it people get bitter, twisted? I'll tell you why. Pride. The only reason a man ever gets upset with another man over his dignity is that he's not really a Christian at all. Because my Bible says we're here to serve one another. We're to esteem each other more highly than ourselves. Is that what the Bible says? Let a man not think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Think soberly. You esteem each one more higher than yourself. But when you've got someone who's got an arrogant spirit and kind of arrogant way with them, hey, they think they're the best thing since sliced bread. They need chopping up. Just like the sliced bread. Painful. You know, it's just good to point it out to people. Hmm? Because I tell you what, it, it, there's nothing more annoying than when you think you're it. How many husbands are like that? Think that, you know, you should control everything. King of your home. Boulder dash. If you can't live God's way with God's spirit, you aren't king of anything. Let's look in Colossians. I just want to go quickly to Colossians. It's Bible study. Very important. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. For this cause, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us to be meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature for by him were all things created that are in heaven that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Okay, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Do you know how you get moved away from the hope of the gospel? It's simple. 
Someone comes along and sows something in your mind and you lose hope. You lose hope. The hope of the gospel is Jesus Christ. I want to be like him. And what people do is they sow in the minds. <laughs> you see, if the king's chamberlains who sat in the gate hadn't said to Haman, hey, look at that Jew, Mordecai. He won't bow to you. He won't. Yeah. It didn't take long before he began to look to see if it was so. He got it confirmed. He didn't bother to find out why. All he knew was he didn't bow and that was it. He was going to kill him. But it wasn't good enough just killing him. Let's kill every Jew. A terrible thing. But that's how the human heart works. I want to ask you, each one of you, you see, really your problem's in your mind. Your alienation is in your mind. And you, 21, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind, you become an enemy in your mind. It all happened in Haman's mind. He couldn't get it out of his mind. Didn't matter what he did, didn't matter what privileges he had. In his mind, he just couldn't stand it that there was a man who wouldn't worship him. In his mind. It's amazing how people's lives are destroyed in their mind. Homes are destroyed because someone in their mind gets a wrong thought. Someone says something and then it builds and builds and builds and builds. And a bitterness will come up, bubble up, anytime you meet them. And God says, such were some of you. When you're born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, you get the mind of Christ. And one of the gifts you get is the ability to forget. And that's why if your brother sin against you seven times 70 in one day, you forgive him. Why? Because you have the mind of Christ. Now, if you've got the carnal mind, which is enmity against God, cannot be subject to the law of God, you'll remember everything that anyone's ever done against you. And boy, your mind and your life will be twisted. And in the end, it'll destroy you. It'll send you to a Christless eternity. Can't help it. It's just working there. And it all comes out of envy and pride and jealousy. And it just works inside a person. And it's strange. It will destroy you. And you think, well, why do people let that destroy them? It's because they, they can't help themselves. When a man is, is proud, when a man has got an ego, there's nothing you can do but offend them. Well, Haman met his end on the gallows he prepared for Mordecai. Doesn't that tell you something? It wasn't very rewarding, was it? And the very things he thought he'd get with his pride, he ended up having to do it and bestow those things. And guess who ended up running Haman's estate? Mordecai. Because the king gave it to Esther after he hung him. And Mordecai got everything Haman had. Even the king's ring. Ah, dear. Verse 25, wherefore I made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from the ages and from generations is now made manifest to the saints to whom God would make known what is the rich of the glory of the, this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. Amen. Christ in you. You know, the whole thing is, 
I've got to forget my past. I've got to let it go. I've got to let all my prejudices and bitternesses go. I've got to come to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I've got to face it that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he has charge of everything, not me. Nothing, nothing can I rule or reign with. And that's the truth. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that these two don't have a past, they have a future. Lord, I just break every lying thing that's dominated this life. Lord Jesus, let the peace of God rule this heart. Let her know you're her father. Lord, she has nothing to fear. She had no past. He has no past. We have a future in you. Lord, I break every chain, every band that's bound them. Lord, I minister your peace and love to them. Lord, take away the legalism. You let us out of the prison house into the liberty of life. We just thank you for it. I thank you there are new creations in you, that you are their righteousness, you're their hope, you're their very life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. They don't have a past anymore. They have a future. Okay, that was easy, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Thank you very much. You see, it's all in the mind, really. Devil's a liar. Mm, yeah, amen. Uh, forget it. You know? Okay? Thank you. Okay, let's give God the praise. He's a good God, you know? Thank you.